So the the Arab Spring has passed. It's a we're now kind of towards the end of the of the Arab fall, the Arab autumn. The leaves have fallen from the trees, and just a, another week or two, and I guess it'll be the the Arab winter, which uh, kind of appropriate in more than more than one way. And so, so what do we have? You, you listen to the media, you read the pundits, as I do on a daily basis, pretty much, pretty much across the board from, from very, very right-wing conservative to the uh, left-wing, even, even the bleeding heart arm of the left-wing, they look at, well, the Arab Spring, a triumph of democracy. Democracy has at long last come to rule in the Middle East. The Arab countries now are being overrun by a wave of democracy. And a bumpy, some bumpy points that starts and stops. And, but, but it's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Democracy to, to, us, to us Western people, to, uh, to, to those of us from the Judeo-Christian ethic, that 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 is found in the western world democracy democracy is a great thing people the people rule the people make decisions we're not under the rule of 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 tyrants of of harsh leaders of of bad people but i I, i've been thinking about this recently as living here in israel and and in fact looking at the world through the eyes of, of of an american that is now an israeli i live in israel and 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 it, it it seems like yeah democracy is grabbing hold in the Middle East. Of course, where I am in Israel, democracy has always been always been the power here, the the way of government. Israel is has been the unique democratic nation in the Middle East. But so so now democracy is sweeping across the Middle East, even the Arab countries, and somehow it doesn't feel like such a good thing. All of a sudden, Israel is is worried about what was our our most stable peace treaty in the region with the most powerful country in the region, Egypt. We're worried about it now, where things were pretty much okay with other countries in the region, with with uh, with with uh, Tunisia, with Morocco. Relations were cold, but but there's a lot of Israelis of Moroccan descent, of Tunisian descent here. Jews that that travel freely that visit Morocco and Tunisia but well democracy has taken over in those countries now and and all of a sudden they're not so ready to travel there's a little scary for Jews we see we see Turkey which is also a powerful ally of Israel militarily economically it democracy took hold they were overrun by by certain elements within the democracy, which were the majority, and all of a sudden things don't look so good. So, so I, I've been questioning this and trying to figure out what is this thing with democracy, which, which I know, I just like you, I was raised that democracy is a great thing. It's it, almost like a religion. It's 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 like an absolute in this world. Democracy, democracy is good. All other forms of government bad but so if that's the case then then why why is this uprising of democracy in my neighborhood in the middle east why does it seem so bad
So the question is, is democracy an absolute? Is it, is, is, is it an absolute good? What happens? What happens if the majority of people vote into power, democracy in action, bad people? What if the majority of people are bad? What if democracy elects into power a ruling group that decides that the rights of women are not as valid, may not even exist compared to the rights of men, of males? What is democracy a good thing? What what if what if democratically elected government decides that torture and imprisonment of those minorities that do not agree with democracy is a good thing and implement those policies is democracy a good thing is democracy an absolute positive value what if the democratically elected government decides that one particular group of people is not equal to the other groups of people to the to the majority and therefore they need to be persecuted maybe even thrown out of the country democracy is is democracy a good thing is it an absolute value that we can support no matter what course the example that comes to mind would be uh, be Nazi Germany <laughs> Hitler and his government very very popular they were elected by a vast majority they were supported by the vast majority of Germans democracy in action a democratically elected government <laughs> I don't need to go into details of what they did is democracy always a good thing See, I think, as I've been thinking about this over the past couple of weeks in, in preparation for this for this discussion, this chat with you, I've, I've the only the only conclusion I can come to is is a democracy is not an absolute value. I mean, democracy can can lead to very very bad things, very bad results, things that 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 those of us raised and believing in the Judeo-Christian values and ethics who believe that there are certain absolutes. There are absolutes that are right and wrong. No matter what the majority of people think, we believe certain things are wrong. We believe certain things are right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nine to one, eight to two, six to four, whatever the democratic view is, we believe murder is wrong. It's bad. We believe that that all human beings are created equal men women and and they need to be treated equal and have equal rights we believe that it doesn't matter what the democracy votes it doesn't matter if it if it's 9.9 to 0.1 democratically this is what the people want they want murder murder's okay stealing is okay raping women is okay no we don't believe that. We believe that certain, certain things are above democracy. We believe there are absolute right and wrong. And so yeah, you have a little problem if you start to think, well, where does this come from? And, and if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in, in religion, you believe, well, it naturally comes from within people. 
So, you know, we don't need religion, we don't need God. We do believe that they're absolute right and wrong, but it comes from the from the individual. But but that doesn't seem to work when you have a society where the majority of individuals do not share what 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 we always thought were universal beliefs of right and wrong, murder, rape, men and women equal, those kind of things. We thought they were universal, but the fact of the matter is they come from God. And if you don't if you don't if you don't believe in God, you have you have a problem because you see as long as there's not an absolute higher power that defines for us what is right and wrong, why then you become subject to the views of the majority of the of the the democratic majority the democracy and and if they don't agree with what we believe our universal value universal right and wrong we have a problem so so for democracy to be an absolute good an absolute value that no matter what no matter where you have to i i i've concluded you need to believe in a in in one fundamental principle that by and large all people are good and therefore if all people are good and they all share these higher values these absolutes of right and wrong well then democracy will be good because the people there can be some bad eggs some bad apples that that spoil it but but the majority the basic principle is that people are good and so so we can trust in what the majority of people want democracy is okay but what if what if that's not true what if what if people the majority of people are not good what if what if what if that is not the nature of man what if the only way that that man that humans become good and respect these values that we good people believe in is because because of our belief in a higher power whether on a conscious or unconscious level that that tell us what is right and wrong and even though these these concepts these absolute values of right and wrong may go against our our, our instinct our instinct is to take is to we have sexual drives our instinct is to in fact rape that's our instinct a man sees a beautiful woman his instinct is to <laughs> you know what that's that's the instinct why do we not do that why do we not do that? It's because of, of some sort of an external structure. But but what if what if in a society the people are are free, are even mandated to follow these 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 instincts, these these baser values, I'm doing the air quotes here, and 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 and, and, and so what they are what we would define as bad. What if the majority of people in a society are bad? What if they are evil? <laughs> it, it, can democracy be a good thing? If this majority of evil people take control, they take the reins of government, which determine the way society functions, then according to us, according to us good Western people, and, and I do believe that we are the good Western people, uh, those, those of us following the Judeo-Christian ethic values, for whatever reason, we are good people universally. Absolutely, I believe that is true. But what if, what if, the majority of people in a given society in a given country are not? Can democracy possibly be a good thing? And 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 we're seeing this today. We're seeing the test 
in the Middle East. We're seeing it. It's happened in Tunisia, Morocco, Libya, Turkey. It's on the way in Jordan. It's on the way in Syria. And right now, as the elections in Egypt have have shown us last week, the elections which have started and we already see what the outcome is, we see, we have the test here. We have societies that are democratically choosing a way that according to us, according to us Judeo-Christian Westerners, the right ones, the correct ones, the good ones, the democracy, the people, the tribe has spoken, and they have chosen evil. So what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? What, 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 where do we turn? What do we believe? So last week, the, the first phase, the first stage of the, of the Egyptian elections took place. Now, now they, 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 they took place in the urban areas, and to come in the coming month or so, there's going to be two more phases in the more rural, the more primitive areas of Egypt. So what we see as the results in, in this portion of the elections is probably the most liberal of the results that we're going to see. Things are going to get more and more extreme as the elections continue. And, and what do we have? What are the results? The Muslim Brotherhood's Freedom and Justice Party has won 40% of the vote. 40% while they're the moderate Islamists. While the, the Salafi Noor Party, which is a considered a minor but very, very religiously extreme party, they won 20% of of the vote giving the 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 islamic the, the islamic block about 60% of the vote so far in egypt and it's and, and they're going to get more and and this mirrors what's happened in those other countries i mentioned turkey uh tunisia morocco and libya it's what's predicted to happen in jordan and we know it's going to happen in in syria the liberal waft party won about six percent the uh, the uh, the secular egyptian block you know those revolutionaries from tahrir square the, the the voices of democracy the ones that wanted democracy they only took about 15 percent and that's in their strongholds in the urban the educated the economically better off areas of egypt and the, the moderate islamist wasaf party won four percent so we're talking already about 10 million votes and uh, a lot more to come, and uh, the results are are only they're only going to get worse. The uh, <laughs> so so we have winning basically winning the election. The major party, the the Brotherhood, was officially banned for decades by Hosni Mubarak under the military regime. Why? Because they were a threat. They were a threat to 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 human rights you might not say that that mubarak was like the champion of human rights but but he did not allow islamic sharia law to take over they were terrorists so he banned them then they have number two the 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 followers of the salafist nor party what are their principles they advocate a stricter interpretation of islam that calls for segregation of the sexes the full veiling of women 
and a ban on alcohol. This is so so put those two together and you get a picture of where Egypt is headed under democracy. Is democracy a good thing? The uh, the uh, prominent Egyptian liberal and Nobel Peace Prize winner Mohammed El Baradai told the AP that the liberal youth groups behind the February revolution, the, the Arab Spring, were decimated in the election results. <laughs> and uh, he's concerned. And, and if this guy's concerned, why, uh, maybe we all should be. Maybe, maybe in some places, democracy is not such a good thing. The credo of the Muslim Brotherhood, just look at it, you can look at any website, English, Arabic, doesn't matter. <laughs> Explicit, illiberal, theocratic, Allah is our objective, the Prophet is our leader, the Quran is our law, jihad is our way, dying in the way of Allah is our highest hope. Democracy democratically elected. Marty Roberts here, the Marty Roberts Show, back again after uh, one of our, uh, I, I guess, t too numerous breaks. But we're, we're trying to do it again. We, we've got the website. We're, we've got some articles going up. The website is martyrobertsblog.com. You can follow me on Twitter. You can sign up for the Facebook fan pages. But definitely do visit the, the site, martyrobertsblog.com, even if you listen to the radio show through uh, iTunes, download it, wh whatever. And tell your friends about it. Donate, support the show, and uh, hang in there. So I got, you know, I, my, my feeling is that, that most of, of my friends in the West don't really quite get it. What, what these democracies are choosing here in the Middle East. And they think, well, no, 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 no. Democracy, it's good. People are good. Democracy is good. The people rule themselves. It's the way it's supposed to be. No tyrants, no oppressors, no kings. But, but, so I got I'm going to spend the rest of, of today's show trying trying to help you understand with with, with this is this is documented facts about the groups that are now taking power taking control in the middle east not through power which they have not through military force but through democracy through the will of the people this is what the arab the muslim arab people in the Middle East want. This is how they want their countries to be, how their lives to be ruled. This is what the, this is what they are choosing. So the the, the Salafi Noor party <clears throat> that got twenty percent, not us they got that much more than the the uh, the liberals, the, the 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 champions of democracy received. Sheikh Abdul Salam of the of the Islamic Salafist Noor Party 
hopes that the Parliament and the Assembly will share Salafist views and that the Constitution will be based on Islamic law. They are, they're going to, after the, the Parliament is elected, they're going to, 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 to gather to write a Constitution. So you might, <laughs> those, are, those of us, those of us uh, non-Muslims, such as Egypt's 10 million Coptic Christians, 10 million we're talking, leaves them a, a little bit frightened. Why? The, uh, they asked Sheikh Salam, so just where would this, would this country, this Egypt, governed under a constitution based on Islamic law, Sharia law, where would that leave these 10 million Christians? And, and, and he laughs. He, he, he laughed at the question. He said, Christians have lived under liberal governments, socialist governments, nationalist governments, and they've suffered, he said. The best the Christians have ever been treated was under Islamic rule. So does that mean that they would have the same rights as Muslims, they ask him? He answers, are the rights of Muslims the same as the Christians in Western countries? He asks in response, uh, the answer is yes, but uh, I guess the reporter didn't, uh, didn't, didn't want to confuse the uh, the Islamicists with facts here. <laughs> so the, 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 they go on, does that mean Egyptian Christians would not be treated the same as Egyptian Muslims? He says, they will be treated justly, but not the same. He, he says, justice requires that the views of the minority not be forced on the majority. Hey, democracy! <laughs> He added, especially, especially when the religion of the minority is something that that we don't believe in. Democracy in action. So they're big winners now, this Salafi Noor party, and uh, so so they've been they've been coming out in the press now as as the elections continue and and the country is kind of like aligning itself, preparing for for what this this new Egypt is going to going to look like. And and the uh, they say the Salafi Noor party has no authority to force women to wear the Islamic headscarf. You know the ones where the only thing they're you're allowed to see is their eyes. You know that black hood thing said Nadar Bakar, spokesman of the party, at a rally on Sunday. He added that any such fatwa, or any religious edict, edict like that, should come from Al-Azhar, or the Islamic Research Authority. They, uh, they, they had this rally, rally, which was called the Noor Party's Vision for Tourism, and it was attended by travel agent representatives and, and some tourists. We cannot but say that the headscarf is mandated by the Koran, said Bakar. <laughs> he also said, oh, this, this, is, this is reassuring, he also said that, that, that the, his Noor party would not seek to cover up any statues <laughs> in Egypt. This is in reference to a recent incident in Alexandria in which a statue was covered by sheets during a Salafi rally. They didn't, they didn't want these statues, these images to be exposed. He, he said that, he said alcohol is prohibited in both Islam and Christianity, as he had been informed by priests. 
He said, we cannot forbid tourists from drinking, he said, but, but we can refrain from serving them alcohol. The, the Salafi Noor, 20% so far electorate of the Egyptian parliament. What, 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 what's the picture of Egyptian tourism being painted here under democracy? Democracy is heresy because it contradicts the principle of allegiance that was used after the death of Prophet Muhammad, whereby people choose their caliph once and then remain loyal to him, said the Salafi Noor party at a rally in Gaza. So kind of ironic, they're coming into power through democracy, which they declare is heresy because according to Islamic law, once you pick your leader, that's it. That's it. No more democracy. Democracy in action. Then you got the big winners so far. With, with uh, almost 40% of the vote, the, uh, the, the Muslim Brotherhood. The, now... Hamas, Israel's friends, the, the, the Hamas, who, by the way, their origin is in the Brotherhood, they've declared, they are rejoicing that, that the, the, the uh, victory of the Brotherhood in Egypt is good for Hamas. So right, right away, right away, you gotta be, got to be a little bit worried. And so after their, <clears throat> their rather impressive win in Egypt, speaking to the Associated Press, they're trying, they're scrambling now, the Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood to not to calm down the world. Hey, well, you know we're not bad. We're not. It's okay. The the tribe has spoken. The people have spoken. Democracy. We're not so bad. We're we're, we're really really moderate. The deputy head of the Brotherhood's new political party, Assam Al Aryan, said that the group is not interested in imposing Islamic values on Egypt. He said he said we represent a moderate and fair party. <laughs> now now here's here's the punchline. He says. We want to apply the basics of Sharia law in a fair way that respects human rights and personal rights. Now, this is, I think, I think this is what we call an oxymoron. Sharia law that respects human and personal rights. doesn't exist because under Sharia law, women are not equal. They have to be veiled. They are not, they're, they're not allowed to drive. They're not allowed to vote in the democratic elections. There are... There is very, very clear distinction in the law, the law for Muslims and the law for non-Muslims. This is Sharia law. The Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt makes no bones about stating the fact that they intend to implement Sharia law. Then they kind of try and veil it a little bit, saying, but, but, but with respect for human rights. But the problem is, the problem is, it just, it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. So they, they did great in the election. I don't know. I don't know if it was a result of the rally that they held on the eve of the election. The, the Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt, <clears throat> which ended up winning 40% of the vote in the first part of the legislative elections, held a pre-election rally in Cairo <laughs> with the theme of kill the Jews. 
thousands of supporters attended the pre-election rally at a mosque on the Muslim Sabbath, promising to... Are, are you listening? Are you listening? Promising to one day kill all the Jews and wage war against Jerusalem's Judaization. Hey, but they were elected democratically, so it must be okay. It must be a good thing. Kill all the Jews. I don't know. Yeah, I do know. So, you know, you might still have some doubts. I, I'm going to... Here's some more. This is like cut and dry, hard evidence. Okay, who is this? Who is this Muslim Brotherhood, the flagship party that is basically taking control of the entire Middle East as a result of the Arab Spring rapidly deteriorating to the Arab winter? So, so I, I, I have two two big sources here. Number one, there's a tra I have a translation of the book which is written by the former leader of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. His, uh, his name is... Uh, wait, what is his name here? Hang on. Uh, what is he? He was the leader of the, uh, of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt from 1996 to two, 2002. And uh, the, 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 it's a... Ah, okay, okay. Mustafa Mashur. The... Uh, so so he wrote this but this is the fifth in a series of books and uh i have a translation of it here it says and in the book the book is called jihad is the way the uh so so this this mustafa mashur explains the the fundamental concepts and the ideology of the muslim brotherhood including the muslim brotherhood's main goal of establishing an islamic state <laughs> Number one, the establishment of an Islamic state. Number two, world domination under Islam. Number three, the public and personal religious duty of military jihad and the necessity of timing the ultimate jihad properly. And, and th this, book, this book warns Muslims not to rush to jihad until jihad is prepared and timed fully for maximum benefit and and according to this book the current period is seen by the muslim brotherhood as one of the obligatory preparation periods for the coming jihad <laughs> here's some quotes the islamic nation can regain its power and be liberated and assume its rightful position which was intended by allah as the most exalted nation among men as the teachers of humanity Know your status and believe firmly that you are the masters of the world, even if your enemies desire your degradation. This is, these are all quotes from this, this authoritative book on the ideology of the Muslim Brotherhood. It should be known that jihad and preparation towards jihad are not only for the purpose of fending off assaults and attacks of Allah's enemies from Muslims, but also for the purpose of realizing the great task of establishing an, an Islamic state and strengthening the religion and spreading it around the world. Jihad for Allah is not limited to the specific region 
of the Islamic countries, since the Muslim homeland is one and is not divided, and the banner of jihad has already been raised in some of its parts, and it shall continue to be raised, with the help of Allah, until every inch of the land of Islam will be liberated. The state of Islam will be established. Then comes the power of arms and weapons, and this is the role of jihad. Th those of you who, uh, you know, who, who subscribe, well, jihad can be like a political thing. It states it clearly here. Jihad is a religious public duty incumbent upon the Islamic nation and is a personal duty. And the youth should know that the problems of the Islamic world, such as Palestine, Afghanistan, Syria, Eritrea, or the Philippines, are not issues of territories and nations, but of faith and religion they are problems of Islam and the Muslims and they can be resolved neither by negotiation nor by recognizing the enemy's right to the Islamic land he stole rather the only option but jihad for Allah and this is why jihad is the way <laughs> you hear this you hear this Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta who's telling Israelis to get to the damn table they stated here, not to resolve by negotiations, not by recognizing the enemy's rights. No, jihad, the power of arms and weapons. The book goes on. The symbol of the Muslim Brotherhood is the Book of Allah, the Quran, between two swords. The sword, the swords symbolize jihad and the force that protects the truth represented in Allah's book. That is are you listening, world? Are you listening? Go out to battle, O believers, young and old, by foot or with animal, under all circumstances and conditions. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is a definitive text on the ideology, the principles of the, of the, of the Muslim Brotherhood that is sweeping control of the Middle East through, through, democratic elections listen world listen more quotes from the book Allah is our goal the prophet is our leader the Quran is our constitution the jihad is our way and the death for Allah is our most exalted wish the jihad is our way and death for Allah is our most exalted wish this is the call which we have always called. Many of our beloved ones have already achieved this wish. We ask Allah to accept all of them and may He join us with them. <laughs> their, only, their, their highest goal is to die. <laughs> it's to die for Allah. So we're going to negotiate. We're going to entice Iran to not nuke Israel. We're going we're gonna to talk, we're going to negotiate with sponsors of suicide bombers whose highest goal in life, their ultimate aspiration is to die in support of jihad, to die for the cause, not just of wiping out Israel and the Jews, for the cause of the ultimate cause of jihad is, is to enable Islam to form a new caliphate, a new world government, a new world order under Islamic Sharia law. The highest goal, the highest aspiration that they are praying to achieve is to die in support of this cause. Democracy or no democracy. Oh, 
All right, so you might say my friends, my friends in Europe and North America. All right, that's the Middle East. They're much more crazy there. Than well, you know, my neighbor, my neighbor Ahmed here down the street from me in Detroit, he's not like that. You know, that, that, that's not the American Muslim Brotherhood. That's the, that's the Egyptian one. Well, I got to <laughs> I, I gotta differ. The, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood strategic plan for North America had been a very, very closely held secret until the FBI discovered it during a 2004 raid of a house in Annandale, Virginia, where the FBI agents discovered a secret basement containing internal Muslim Brotherhood documents, including a strategic plan titled An Explanatory Memorandum on the General Strategic Goal for the group. This is, this is found in, in the United States of America, in a suburb of Washington, D.C., seven years ago. The, the strategic plan was written by a member of the board of directors for the Muslim Brotherhood in North America and senior Hamas leader, Mohammed Akram, and was approved by the Brotherhood's Shura Council and Organizational Conference in 1987. They've been working on this for a long time. The plan is well advanced and, and in action. It, it, the plan establishes the mission of the Muslim Brotherhood in North America in this following, this is a passage from the plan. The process of settlement is a civilization jihadist process with all the word means. The Brotherhood must understand that their work in America is a kind of grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers so that it is eliminated and God's religion is made victorious over all other religions. <laughs> this is the, the stated objective of the Muslim Brotherhood in North America. The, the goal of destroying Western civilization from within is to be achieved by the Brotherhood in accordance with a, with a phased plan. The, the, the plan has, uh, has five phases. Phase one, the phase of discreet and secret establishment of leadership on the quiet, on the hush. Phase two, the phase of gradual appearance on the public scene. Remember, remember this started in 1987, so you can figure out where the plan is. The gradual appearance on the public scene and exercising and utilizing various public activities. It, it greatly succeeded in implementing this stage, <laughs> gaining public support and sympathy, establishing a shadow government within the government. I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but uh, you can think about that one, whether they're uh, what's going on in, in, in the current government of the United States. Phase three the escalation phase. Prior to conflict and confrontation with the rulers through utilizing mass media, this is the stage that we're, that's currently in progress. Phase four, this is, this is the next stage, the one we're waiting for. Open public confrontation with the government through exercising the political pressure approach. It is aggressively implementing the above-mentioned approach training in the use of weapons domestically and overseas in anticipation of of zero hour and and the the final the final phase 5 seizing power 
to establish their Islamic nation under which all parties and and Islamic groups are united. The most important of the techniques that are employed by the by the Brotherhood in America to achieve their their goals of their civilization jihad are listed in the, in these documents found by the FBI in in Annandale, Virginia in 2004. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of wind it up by uh, by this list, this litany of their of their tactics, of their tools, the tools of the Muslim Brotherhood in the United States. Number 1, expanding the Muslim presence by birth rate, immigration, and refusal to assimilate. Next, occupying and expanding domination of physical spaces. Ensuring the Muslim community knows and follows Muslim Brotherhood doctrine. Controlling the language we use in describing the enemy. <laughs> no, no use of the word terrorist. What, 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 are, what are the Obamas? <laughs> what, what is the current Justice Department terminology for terrorists that don't use the word terrorists? That don't mention jihad, don't mention Islamic extremists? Next, ensuring we do not study their doctrine. Co-opting key leadership. Forcing compliance with Sharia at local levels. Fighting all counter-terrorism efforts. Subverting religious organizations. Employing lawfare. The offensive use of lawsuits and threats of lawsuits. Claiming victimization, demanding accommodations. These are the words of the Muslim Brotherhood in America. They're written down. Are you, are you, are you listening? Condemning slander against Islam. These are the weapons. These are the weapons to achieve the goals of civilization, jihad, world domination. Subverting the U.S. education system. In particular, infiltrating and dominating U.S. Middle East studies programs. Demanding the right to practice Sharia in segregated Muslim enclaves. Demanding recognition of Sharia in non-Muslim spheres. Confronting and denouncing Western society, laws, and traditions. And lastly, demanding that Sharia Islamic law replace Western law. You, you might want to note that that many of these uh, of these techniques that they enumerate entail, in one way or another, influencing and neutralizing the American government at all levels. Democracy. Democracy is sweeping the Middle East. At long last, democracy. Marty Roberts in Israel. Shalom, shalom.